39th chapter of the book of Genesis, we in this 11, in, in, we we wrapping up our study in the book of Ephesians, uh, and we talked about the fact that uh, in Ephesians, uh, this sixth chapter, we were dealing with the issue of uh, the employee and the employer relationship, and understanding that God utilizes that to to get us to where He wants us to be in Him, and He utilizes that as a our places of employment as a mission field. Everybody say mission field. In your places of employment, you're going to meet people who you would otherwise not come in contact with. And God wants to utilize that interaction uh, to advance his kingdom agenda. Again, as I told you a couple of weeks ago, we don't, we're not paid to preach at work, but we can preach through our lifestyle. And I promise you, when you become a man or woman of character in your place of employment, when you are known as being a, a person who worked heartily as unto the Lord, I promise you there are going to be people who are going to come and going to seek you out in those places of employment. Because many of them come from homes, they come from neighborhoods, they come from situations that they don't see God represented. But in their workplace, they got a chance to meet you. Yes, you, God's ordained servant who he has placed in that particular place to be a blessing. Can I get a witness? All right, so if you will, I'm going to ask you to turn back to Genesis, the 39th chapter. Genesis chapter number 39. Are y'all with me this morning? It is good to be in service one more time. Hallelujah. It's great to know that Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, and he watches over us. He protects us. He keeps us. Genesis chapter number 39, and let's go back to uh, the second verse of that 39th chapter. Y'all know we told you, and this is one of my favorite passages to look at because it exemplifies the attitude and approach that we as believers should have. We know that Joseph is in this precarious situation because of the jealousy and the hatred that was exhibited by his own family members. His siblings sold him into slavery, so he's here in Egypt in the house of an official by the name of Potiphar, right? So here in, in verse number two, let's read together. Are y'all there with me? Let's go. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his what? Egyptian master. Next verse says what? Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. I do not need you to miss this. I need you to understand and wrap your brains around this. It does not matter what situation you may find yourself in, particularly as it relates to the work environment. It does not matter what situation you find yourself in as it relates to your home environment or wherever you may be. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. Joseph was a man who had covenant with God, even though he had issues that God was seeking to work out of him to prepare him for leadership of his people. He had to take him through a process. And even though he's in this precarious situation, we see that the Lord was with him. And not only that, but we told you last week that Potiphar noticed that the Lord was with him also. So Potiphar noticed and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. Next verse says what? This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. Next verse says this. Let's read. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household 
for Joseph's sake, right? All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock, what? Flourish. Verse number six, let's read it. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And we, we, we stopped off here with the temptation that came with this job here. Now, listen, guys, I want to ask you a question. When you think about your work environment, whether it's at, uh, if, uh, when you're getting paid uh, on a regular job or whether you're retired and you're working in ministry, the question that I would ask you is this. With the person who you're reporting to or people who are observing you, would they have the confidence to leave everything that's going on in that place in your charge? Would they have the confidence and assurance that, first of all, you're going to show up on time? The doors will be open. I tell you guys, I know for a fact that I've been to some fast food restaurants and they shut down before closing time. I don't know if the manager knows that or whoever owns that place obviously doesn't know that. But if you roll up in that, my wife and I have this joke, don't go to a fast food restaurant when there's only 15 minutes left to closing time. There's no telling what you're going to get. Because they shut the thing down, they'll tell you we don't have any more of that because they don't want to fire that oven back up or that, that, or that, or that uh, the fryer, yeah, yeah, the fryer back up. They'll tell you stuff, but I promise you, that's not the kind of person or the worker that God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. So when we look at work as worship, it is something that God utilizes to perfect us, to, to, to call out of us those things that should not be on the inside of us. Now, when we started this, and Brother Dave, if you can pop this up on your outline, you have these. We said there's some, some, some key things that we want to keep in mind. There was the first thing we had, we had a, ma- a main idea that we want to make sure that we were focused in on as we complete this sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians. The main idea as it relates to work is, look at this, our identity in Christ should define our work rather than our work defining our identity. Can we read that together? Let's read that out on purpose. It says what? Our identity in Christ should define our work rather than our work defining our identity. Now, it is, it, it, it's commonplace for us to, to think of people based off of what they do. Uh, you know, hey, that's coach. Some, some people that, 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 that are coaches in high school are known as coach, right? That's their occupation. And, and, and I can understand it to a certain degree of calling them coach, but again, that person who's coaching should be known for more than just coaching their particular sport. They should be known, if they are a believer, should be known as a man or woman of character and integrity, a man or woman who, who carries God's kingdom agenda at the forefront of their mind, and they treat people the way God wants them to treat people. That's what they should be known as. So our main idea is our identity in Christ should define our work rather than our work defining our identity. If you stop doing what you're doing now, would you still be whole as a person? That's the question that you got to ask yourself, because if you're so wrapped up in your work that your work defines you, when the job leaves, then you're all distraught and tore up. But if you're you're following Christ, then even if that job plays out, you get fired, the the company closes the plant or whatever may happen, you can still move forward because you were not identified by your job. It was just something that you did. Second thing that we said was what? We said that we had to have a what? A head change. Our thinking has to change. To know that faithfully following Christ as we work will make our work fulfilling and meaningful. 
That's the head change. The heart change is what? To feel confident that working in a way that glorifies God instead of pursuing fleeting success will please God. And lastly, the life change we're looking for is to find our significance in our identity as Christians rather than letting failures and successes at work define us. That's important right there. Because again, all of us, if we've been in something long enough, everything that we did was not necessarily successful. As a matter of fact, your experience and your wisdom that you're displaying now, a lot of it came from wrong decisions. Anybody in the house? I know as a pastor for 34 years, I've learned from some wrong decisions. And so those things can help shape us and make us, but we've got to realize that our significance and our identity as Christians make, it, make our significance come from our identity as Christ, as Christians, rather than our failures and our success at work. Okay? Are y'all still with me today? So Joseph here was in this place, what God would require for him to do. He was faithful to the place that he was sold into his servant, indentured servitude. Okay, he was in indentured servitude because of the issue that happened with he and his brothers. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you something. There are going to be times when you'll find yourself in different places in your, in your walk as a believer, in your place of employment. But we got to make sure that we know who we are in Christ. Look at those 10 things on the on your back of your outline, the 10 essentials for living out our biblical pr- pl- blueprint at work. Okay, we got we to make sure that we are focused on these things and making sure that we are doing it God's way. Scripture says, whatever you do, do it what? Heartily as unto whom? So whatever your occupation is, whatever you do for a living, uh, do it as unto the Lord. We said that as it relates to work, be motivated by the gospel, right? Number two, we says, do your best and over deliver in your work. Be that person who works heartily unto the Lord. Number three, we said, be a master in your craft, your line of work. Because when you are a master in your, in your craft, your line of work, when you're good at what you do, money and opportunity will follow you. It'll run you down. Can I get a witness? All right. Fourthly, we said what? We said work well with others. Value we over me when relating with coworkers and employees. Have the heart of a servant leader. Are you with me? Have the heart of a servant leader. It's not about just me. It's we. Everybody say we. It has to be a team approach when we go into that place of employment because who are we representing? We're, rep- we're representing Jesus Christ our Lord and we have a mission that we are on. We have an assignment that God has placed upon us, a mantle of kingdom advancement that all of us need to carry wherever we go. Are you listening to me today? So work well with others. I told you on last week that it's critically important that we as Christians not be known as the people that can't nobody work with. We should be known as the folks who, who anybody could work with, even the most difficult person in their place of employment. So said number five, we said don't be surprised by resistance. Now here we're going to see Joseph in this 39th chapter of the book of Genesis where he begins to face some resistance. Now it comes because the enemy doesn't want Joseph to do what God has assigned for him to do. Go back to Genesis 39, and let's look at it real quickly. So we see that Potiphar's wife begins to look at Joseph, right? Genesis 39, let's go back real quickly. All right, the text says this. Uh, Go back to verse number 6 with me, verse number 6 of Genesis 39. Are you still with me today? How are you working? This is a personal question. And again, those of y'all who are retired don't sleep on me today. 
because you're required to work wherever you are in ministry, in serving in a nonprofit environment, working in your home. God is watching how we do what we do, right? Watch the text. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was very handsome and very well-built young man. Now, here's the temptation that's coming. Next verse says, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Woman of authority, married to this official, is now coming to this guy who's a slave boy and saying, I want to sleep with you. Watch what it says here in the next verse. Let's go. It says this. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. The text says, no one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against whom? The sin would be against God because we live for the Lord, right? We are his instrument. We are his vessel. The next verse says this. Uh, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. Now watch this. I want to I talk to the men right now, and then I'll talk to the women just a little bit. Okay, guys, I want to ask you a question. I, I need you to think. Look straight ahead. Don't give your wife a clue. Just look straight ahead. If, how would you respond if this beautiful, gorgeous woman was coming and making a play at you day after day? You know what making a play at you means, right? She's coming. She's, she's letting it be known that, that if you want to, you can. Are y'all still in the house? I need some brothers to look at me, okay? Wives, y'all look at me too, so don't y'all look at him. Don't, 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 you try to, don't, don't you try to do anything to intimidate him. I need my brothers watching me. The text says she did what? Kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he did. He refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. Now, guys, how would you respond if a beautiful lady at work is letting you know that if you want to, I'm available? Our sisters, y'all look at me. You're at work. And this handsome, debonair, very, very uh, esteemed and powerful man at work. All the ladies are talking about how cute and fine he is. And, and he's, a, he's, a, he's a man of character. But if he's a man of character, why is he coming after you? But he's, he's, he's making it known that, hey, listen, I, uh, you know, we work together and I, I enjoy your presence. I love our conversations and he begins to make his move, like I told you on last week. How do you, as a Christian woman, respond when maybe things are not quite right at home? All right. Are y'all still looking at me, ladies? All right. See, what we're going to see here is we're going to see that in this situation, in this work environment, Joseph shows forth what he's made out of. Because you got to remember, look at the scenario. Who could have blamed him being away from his family, being sold into slave? Who could have blamed him in the natural for him to not curry favor with the master's wife by sleeping with her? But yet Joseph shows what kind of guy 
he really is. He shows who, what he's made of. Because, again, the sixth point on our essentials for living out biblical, the biblical blueprint at work is, is to, be, to, to bring integrity to the, to the workplace. To be a man, a woman of character in our places of employment. Uh, one guy said this way, he says, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but you can lose it in a minute. Listen to me carefully. I need you to hear me. Character counts in our places of employment. Now, let me say this, and I, I shared this last week. Whether you realize or not, a lot of times these things come toward Christians in the places of employment, and you can find yourself falling when you didn't intend to fall. Because, again, I shared before, you spend most of your waking hours at work with people who don't live in the house with you. And if you don't have proper boundaries in place in your mind and even physically, you'll find yourself, if you're not careful, succumbing to temptation. Temptation is an enticement to do. Even if something is not attractive, it's not really a temptation to you, right? If, you have, if it's not an attraction, it's not a temptation. Temptation is a pull to do something that God says don't do. And here we find Joseph in this situation, and here we find you in your workplace, in your place of employment, or at church, or wherever you may be, and there are times when maybe temptation begins to gnaw at you, to pull at you, right? Y'all are quiet on me this morning. I feel like somebody know what temptation I'm talking about. Temptation is real. Everybody says real. real. Don't feel bad that you are tempted. Amen. What do you mean, bro, Pastor? That means that I'm not God. No, no. Temptation is not sin. It's the yielding to the temptation that's sin. There are things that happen in our natural course of being a human being where there are, there are feelings that we have that are, that are natural and they're God-given. But we have to learn how to put those under the, under the rulership of God's kingdom agenda for our life. Can I get a witness? So temptation itself is not sin. All of us will be tempted in some shape, form, or fashion. Right? Your temptation may not be my temptation and vice versa. Mine may not be yours. But all of us got something that we are tempted to do. That's not God honoring. So we're here. So, so, so watch this. So, so we see this situation come to pass. And so what we got to make sure that we do when we know temptation is gnawing in us and pulling in us, we got to make sure that we go back to the world. One of the things that I love to do is if, if I find myself being pulled in a direction I shouldn't be going in, I like to go back to the scripture and renew my mind. Because when my mind gets renewed, then everything else has to follow suit. Because my mind, what I think as a man thinketh in his heart, so is what? He. So I have to make sure that I renew my mind. I have to renew it. Go to Romans, the 12th chapter, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 from the NLT. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Are y'all still with me? How are you working? That's the question on, on, on the table today. How are you working? What are you doing in your place of employment? What are you doing in ministry? And how are you carrying yourself? Character counts. Everybody say characters count. And I'm going to just share something with you. Character is more than just talk. Let me say it again. Character is more than just talk. 
Many people think, talk about doing the right thing, but action is the true measure of your character. What are you actually doing? Talent is a gift, but character is a choice. Everybody say, talent is a gift, but character is a choice. There are a lot of things in life that, that we as people don't get to choose, right? We don't get to, how many of y'all chose where you were born? Anybody in the house? Nobody. How many of y'all chose who your parents were, your natural birth parents? You don't get to choose who your parents are, right? How many of you got to choose how tall you are? You have no control over your height. If I had a, Dre, if I had my choice, I would have been six foot four. Because if I was six foot four, there would have been other opportunities that have been made available to me playing football than being a five, nine and a half guy. If I had my choice, but I didn't get to choose how tall I am. But I did the best I could with what I had as a five, nine guy, right? But there are things that we don't get to choose in life, but there are some critical things every person does choose. And we choose our faith, we choose our attitude, and we can choose our character. What type of character are we going to have in our place of employment or where we may find ourselves working in church? Watch what the text says right here. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Look at verse number two. Let's go. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God do what? Transform you into a new person. How? How is he going to do that? By changing the way you think, the way you and I think, that's how God is going to transform us into a new person. Then you will learn to know God's will for you with pleasing and perfect. So God changes us into a new person by changing the way we think. So I got to think differently about this work situation if I'm going to obey what Ephesians, the sixth chapter, told us we should do and how we should work, not just when, when, when our supervisor or our, our, our direct report is around us, but we work heartily as the Lord at all times, right? So Joseph did that, but now he's facing temptation. And so, so tem- this temptation that's coming his way is also a character-defining moment for him because if God is going to trust him to help lead his people, He has to know that Joseph is a disciplined man, that Joseph is a man who will not just yield with every temptation that comes his way. Amen. Are y'all with me today? So he changes us into a new person by how? Changing the way we think. How is God going to change the way we think? I need somebody to tell me right quick. How is he going to change the way we think, Dr. O? By his word. His word in our head, down in our heart. Amen. Ends up solidifying us and putting us in a position where God can do, amen, what he wants to do through our life. If I come to church, but I never spend any time in God's word, then I'm going to continue to think like I've been cultivated to think. My culture, my friends, my family. And guys, let me tell you something. All of us have a place where we came from. All of us have a family that we grew up in. And many times the things that we learn in life through our family is a lot of good stuff, but a lot of stuff that was thrown off when it came to following God, right? We got to make sure that our minds are renewed. So now if you're here in this place, but you never really spend any time studying God's word, 
then the chances are that you're going to do life based off of those other influences. And God is saying, I need you to let me transform you by changing the way you think. I need you to let I, God said, I need you to let I need you to let me transform you by changing the way you think about finances, the way you think about your health, the way you think about marriage, the way you think about interacting with people of different cultures and ethnicities. I got to change the way you think. I got to change it, but I can't change it if you don't, if you won't yield to my plan for your life. Study to show thyself approved to God, a workman who needeth not be ashamed, but who does what rightly divides the word of truth. See, we, we see Joseph here. Joseph was a dreamer, the one who still had a little bit of a, a, a little cockiness and pride in him. Now God is working some stuff out of him. Watch the text. Let's go back to Genesis 39 right quick. I got to move. Are y'all still with me today? Can I just, can I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what happened with Joseph. It's like my time is moving. Joseph repeatedly rebuffed Potiphar's wife's advances. Joseph was a man of character. Because, see, a man of character will, will even in private, amen, make the right choice. There are times in our lives, guys, when we think that sin is a private thing. But it's never private because God is always there watching us, right? He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And so even when we make that decision in private, God has a way when we, when we get beholden to that thing to the point where we ignore him, God will step back if, he, if necessary and allow that thing to be exposed to get you out of it. Are y'all with me today? Countless number of, of, of Christian men and women have fallen into sin, this very sin here and, and, and thought that they, it would always be covered. And then God says, you're my child. I need to work through you, but I can't work through you. We still got a side chick. Do y'all know what a side chick is? Thank you, Jim. God can't work with you when, okay, maybe you messed up, you messed up, and you fessed up, you repented and turned away, but there are people who who have normalized that as a lifestyle, and God said, "Uh uh-uh, you can't do that. Are y'all with me today? I don't know why that this has been emphasized today. But Holy Spirit said, emphasize it. Holy Spirit says, it's time for you to turn loose that thing that's been had you bound for all these years. Because God is trying to use you, but he can't use you because you still got that pet thing that you're holding on to. That little sin, that secret sin that you think is just known between you and God. God says, I need you to turn it loose. I need you to get out from, get every pornographic site that you went through on the internet, Christian man, turn it off. Make yourself accountable to somebody. There are, there, there are programs that are out there that are giving an alert to somebody who you trust that if you are tempted to go to that pornographic site and don't tell me Christian men aren't doing it because surveys tell us 75% of Christian men admit to looking at pornography. So that means 7 out of 10 brothers in here have been looking at stuff that you shouldn't look at. And sisters. Are oh, y'all still with me today? So God is saying, I need men and women of character. Character is more than just talk, y'all. Character brings lasting success in our life because I don't want temporary success. I want, I want to be able to, to, to run hard for the Lord and do it with all my might. 
People cannot rise above the limitations of their character. Because what's going to happen is uh, you're going to find yourself in a position where God, 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 God can lead you to a place, but you won't stay there if you don't have character. Having character is the only way to sustain success in life. No matter how talented or how rich or attractive you may be, you will not be able to, to outrun your character if your character is, is all jacked up. Are y'all listening to me? Now, nobody's perfect, but I'm talking about somebody who has a lifestyle of indulging in sin consistently without remorse, without, 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 uh, without conviction. You better check yourself and see if you really are saved, if you can sin willfully and have no conviction. All right? So Joseph rebuffed the master's wife. She got mad because he ran. The Bible says flee fornication. He ran his outer garment she had in her heart, she, she grabbed him, and he ran out of his clothes. That's a brother who was intent on honoring his God. She lied on him. She said he tried to rape her. She told her husband, who's a man of authority, the man of authority threw him in jail. But let me see, tell you what happens. Go to Genesis 39 right quick uh, in verse number 20. Watch what happens. See, it doesn't matter what situation you find yourself in. When you're running with God, he doesn't leave you. He's always there with you. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison based off of a lie. How many of y'all have been lied on at work? Anybody been lied on? Let me see hands of those who've been lied on before. All right. I get lied on all the time, y'all. <laughs> I get accused of stuff that, that, that was nowhere even in my mind. Well, you preached at me. No, I didn't. I didn't even know you were at church. I can't tell you the number of times that people think that because I say something that hits what they're dealing with, they think to them. I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Nobody in here is that important for me to direct the sermon at. Okay? So just cool your jets. God gave you a pastor who should be talking to him and should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be some stuff that the Holy Spirit knows that I don't know, but I'll say it not knowing that that's your situation. Amen? So, so, so I'm going to keep speaking what the Holy Spirit says speak. I told you I got thick skin, and I'm not the type of pastor who's going to run because you mad because I said something. I'm going to back it up in the book, and if I can back it up in the book, Amen. Take your medicine. It's good for what ails you. I need y'all to hear me because people come to church thinking that church is a place for them to to have everything the way they want it. And if it's not quite the way I want it, then I'm displeased. I'm disconnecting. Well, I will tell you that there's sometimes we want things a certain way that God said that's not the way to ordain it for that ministry. Okay? All right, so, so I need y'all to hear me. I love every last one of y'all. I promise you I do. And I love you enough to speak the truth in love to you. All right? So watch what happens here. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisons were held, and there he remained. But watch this. Can y'all read that with me? But the Lord was what? I thought he was in prison. I thought he was falsely accused. Yes, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Yes, he is. 
And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Watch what happens here. He's in prison. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. He was sold into slavery in Potiphar's house, falsely accused of rape, thrown in jail, and now he's running the place. We got to stop complaining about our circumstance and start looking to the one who's able to see us through the circumstance. could have understood had Joseph lost his mind. Your brothers did this to you. You were falsely accused of rape. You're in jail now. I could have, I probably could have understood him losing his mind. But no, the Lord was with him. The warden had no more words because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to what? To succeed. He made it to prosper, the KJV says. Now watch this. Let's get back to your outline because I, I got to keep moving here. So when we look at this thing, I said that we said work well with others. Don't be surprised by resistance. He faces resistance here. Look, look, look at your scripture text for those because we, we got to bring in turn to the workplace. But look at number five. Don't be surprised by resistance. Why are we so surprised when we start doing what God told us to do that resistance comes? Why are we surprised? It happens in the church. Because here, here's the problem that we have. I shared this uh, when we installed Brother Clint Perkins on Wednesday. And I, shared, I shared this and I, I keep sharing this. The Barnard Group tells us that 80 to 85 percent of professed believers spend no time studying God's word. I, I know eight out of 10 of y'all in here are good people, saved, going to heaven when you die. But you don't really spend much time in God's word. You don't spend, spend much time praying. So if you don't spend much time in God's word and God transforms you, God changes you into a new person by changing the way you think. And he changed the way you think by letting his word get in, in your head, down in your heart. But you don't have any time in his word, so his word don't get in your head, down in your heart. So you're going to think differently than what God wants you to think because you have no time in God's word. Does that make sense? And, you're not, and, and you keep, you, you're still acting like an unsaved person because you have not grown because you don't spend any time in this word. Is that plain? It, it's, and again, some of you may say, well, Pastor, I don't know how to say it, but we'll teach you how to do that. Well, if, if you'll connect with our corporate study time, if you'll come here, I, I try to give you notes so you can go back and look at it. I want to ask you a question. How many of y'all go back and review the notes on Sunday? Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to bash yourself. <laughs> I try to make it easy for you to go back and check me out. I put the scripture reference there so you don't think I'm just talking in the wind. But the average Christian takes that paper, folds it up, and never looks at it again until next Sunday. I know that. But I got to keep preaching to encourage you. Because some of y'all were that way, but now you have a personal time with the Lord. Now you do have some prayer time because you've been encouraged. And, 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 and one of the ways that the Lord will get you there is by allowing you to go through some things in life. There are some things that we won't understand until we go through it. Are y'all with me? There are some things that God is trying to get you to do that he won't get you to do. He won't be able to get you to do because you're really stubborn until he takes you through a process. 
How do you know that, Brother Pastor? Because he's done it with me. On numerous occasions when I've been stubborn. When I, I say I want to do it Doll Adams' way. Brother Holmes, I want to do it my way. I, I want to do what I was comfortable with. And let me tell you something. Anytime you're moving with God, Sister Deborah, he's going to make you uncomfortable because the way of faith is not comfortable to those who are used to walking by what they see. The just shall live by what? By faith. The just shall live by faith. So what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Nancy. It's the evidence of things you can't see. And most of us want to see it before we move. And God said, I need you to move. I'll show you while you're on your way. Abraham. Yeah, God. I got some place for you to go. Where, Lord? I can't tell you. Just get, get up and move. Okay. He started moving. And as he moved, he eventually discovered where God wanted him to go to. Let me tell you something. I've learned in my life that there are going to be some things that God wants to do through this ministry, do through me, that's going to cause me to be uncomfortable. But I'm okay, Deacon Douglas, with being uncomfortable. When the Holy Spirit says move, I've learned to move. Now, sometimes I'm a little bit slow at moving, and God has to kind of... Any of y'all ever got a gentle pat on the butt by God? Am I the only one? I, I hurt my own self there. All right. But guys, we have to... Christian faith cannot be something that's just a cultural thing. It has to be spiritually inspired. And the only way we're going to be able to know the will of God and perfect the will of God in our lives is that we got to, we got to take the word of God and put it in our heart. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what the word of God. Now faith is the substance of the thing hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. We're not accustomed to walking by what we can't see. So, so that's uncomfortable for us. We want to know that all the money is there. We want to know that everything is planned out to the T. And let me tell you something. When you plan out to the T, it don't always work the way you plan on. Any of y'all life been interrupted before? Interrupted. I, uh, interruptions come all the time. In various forms. I need y'all to pray for my mother-in-law, Sister Mara Kirk. We had to take her to the hospital on yesterday. And that's an interruption. She's 92. We're thanking God for her healing and that, 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 that he will bring her through that. But that was an interruption. We didn't expect that on a Saturday morning. But it happened. And so we thank God that he is a man working in her body. But guys, let me tell you something. There, there are things that are going to happen in life that are just a part of living in a fallen world. It wasn't that you deserved it. Or it wasn't that you were such a bad person. But sickness happens. Death happens because we live in a sin-sick world that, that, that started with the fall in the Garden of Eden. But I'm here to tell you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what interruption you have, our God is there and he can see you through it. You may not understand it, Right now, but as you continue to trust, you continue to press forward and say, God, I, and, and God is okay with you tell him how you feel. Moses did it. Moses said, God, you know what? I'm tired of fooling with these folks you put me over. <laughs> he, he, he's known as the friend of God. See, when you're friends with God, you can ask God those questions. God, God, why'd you do this? I don't know. 
why it had to be this way. See, it's, I've said this before. It's okay to ask God questions. But I question God. And there is a difference. I can ask him questions because I don't understand everything that's happening. And God says, okay, child, ask me. All right? But I never, I never say, God, you don't know what you're doing. You made a mistake. Uh-uh. Because he's sovereign. And if I trust in the sovereignty of God, that means that whatever's happening in my life, he knew it was coming up. And so, God, I'm asking for an expert. God, give me some wisdom. Give me some, 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 some wherewithal so I can at least continue to move forward. He doesn't have a problem with you asking a question. Because sometimes things hit us so hard in life that we, we almost can't handle it. But you're still standing. But you're still here. Yes, you said it's tough, but you're, st- you're still here. And thank God for his Holy Spirit who's keeping us. So don't be surprised by resistance. Go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 through 17. Come on, y'all. Hurry, hurry, hurry. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. Now, this, this comes on the, on, on the heel of Paul writing to Timothy and talking about the dangers of the last days. He's talking about the climate, the, the, the mindset of mankind in the last days. Now, theologically speaking, I need you to understand that the last days began with the ascension of Jesus Christ back up into glory. After his crucifixion on the cross, he died, was buried, resurrected the first day of the week. And, and then after, after being down here for a period of time, he, he, he ascended back up into heaven. And so the last days is that period began then. The last days, um, you know, again, God is not bound by time. One day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So if you count it like that, I said it on Wednesday night, it's almost like Jesus has been gone two and a half days. If you, if you literally count it that way. God is not bound by time. We are. He's coming when he's, when, when he's coming, he's coming. It's going to be quicker than quick. It's not he's on his way. When he comes, he's there. It's in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Do you realize that Jesus is coming back for his church? That life as we know it is not the end of, of, of the story? That Jesus is coming back for his church, those who have been born again. He, he's coming back at his appointed time. He doesn't know the day or the hour, but the Father does. We don't know the day or the hour, but we can discern the times. And here he says, he says this, he says, uh, in the last days, Timothy, there will be difficult times. Verse number one, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Does that sound like the last days? Man, I, listen. It, it, it's, it's spot on. Isn't it? Next verse, let's read it. It says what? It says, they will act, act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that who act in religious, but they're living like hell. Can I say it like that? People who profess Christ, but their lifestyle is, is, is tore up, is raggedy. Look at the next verse. Let's go. Come on, come on. It says what? Uh, their, 
They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose truth just as Janus and Jambres oppose Moses. They have, they have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as Janus and Jambres did. Verse 10, but you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach. Watch this, and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. This is Paul talking. He says, you know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, in Iconium, and Lystra, but the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So it's coming. You can expect resistance on the job the right way. When everybody else is sloughing off and you're working hard, what do they say? Man, what, what are you doing? Here's what you need to say. I'm working heartily as unto the Lord. When everybody wants to go to lunch 15 minutes early and you're saying we're not supposed to go to 12, people get mad at you for upholding the standard, Right? Have anybody ever got mad at had people get mad at you for, for, for enforcing what, what, the, what the administration said to enforce? Right? Because so many times when you do what's right, there are going to be people who are going to come against you and resist you, especially when you do it in the name of the Lord. Paul faced that because he took the gospel to the Gentile region. He took it to a people that many of the Jews thought they were incapable of having a relationship with Christ Jesus. But Paul says, that's my mandate. I'm taking it to them. And he faced persecution as a result of it. So, guys, don't be surprised by resistance. Bring integrity to your place of employment. Number seven, we need to understand this in your outline. Healthy ambition can be a good thing, having healthy ambition. We ought, we ought to want to try to succeed. We ought to, we ought to want to try to, 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 to rise up and be uh, that successful person on the job. But don't let the ambition overtake you. As believers, we have to be careful that we don't, Kill all ambition and just rest in a state of mediocrity. A godly, redeemed ambition should be our goal. We should be seeking for that promotion. We should be uh, wanting to, to lead that team. We should be, uh, it's, it's okay to want to be in a position where you can have greater influence, right? In your place of employment. It is great when you have Christian men and women who are leading organizations, who are, who are, who are leading with integrity and helping that organization uh, provide a living for those families who are part of that group. Are y'all listening to me today? So healthy ambition can be a good thing for us as believers. Just make sure that we understand that we're doing it for God's glory and not our own. Number eight, get the information and skill sets you need to excel in your place of employment. Don't wait for someone else to do everything for you. Go get the help you need to grow in your work. Go start reading successful people who are doing what you want to do to understand how to do that. First and foremost, again, get into your word and see what God's word says about how you should work as unto him. Can I get a witness up in here? So get the information and skills that you need to excel in the workplace. Number nine, pursue a job that you can enjoy or good at and that will adequately provide for you and your family. I've said this before and i said it again. In a capitalistic society, we have to, and we've been implored uh, and, and encouraged and exhorted to work as unto the Lord. The scripture says a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Sometimes people suffer because they won't work. 
that's not everybody's story, but there's a lot of folks' story who say, who say who they're trying to get ahead, but you can't get ahead when, you, when you're not the type of person who will get out and go get it. Does that make sense? Because so many times we, 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 don't, we, we don't realize that, that, that work is ordained by God. Work is worship. I'm going to say this, and please don't think this the wrong way. You're going to only be able to do so much if you depend totally on government assistance. I need y'all to hear me. All right. You're only going to be able to achieve so much if you, if, if I'm, I'm talking about somebody who's able to work, not disabled, not retired, but somebody who's able bodied, but just can't see, and, and, and they got their mental faculties. They, nothing is wrong with them mentally or physically, but they won't consistently work. The Bible says if a man don't work, he shouldn't what? So work is part of God's plan for us. And, if, and, and some people are suffering because they won't consistently work. I don't know about anybody else, but Maria Adams and myself, in order to live where we live, drive where we drive, eat like we eat, We have to work. And if, if, that, if that hits you the wrong way, something is wrong with it, I'm trying to transform your paradigm as it relates to work. God wants to use that to perfect us, to teach us how to work under him, and, we, and to use us as a vessel in that place of employment to take his kingdom agenda there. He wants you in that space because you're going to meet people in that space that you otherwise wouldn't come in contact with. And now God gives you the ability to build a relationship with them. And then as you build a relationship with them, you get a chance to talk with them. And you, you, begin, you get an opportunity to share with them the hope that is within you. Am I making sense? You get a chance in that place. Now, if you think about it that way, that transformed the way you think about going to work now. It's not Blue Monday anymore. Oh, Lord, here's Monday. When I wake up on Monday morning, Dr. O, first thing I think about is it's corporate prayer time, 6 a.m. We're going to pray for that hour on Zoom, and then we're going to get ready to go out into the space and represent our God well all week long. But too many of y'all have been complaining in your place of employment. Okay, you ain't got to look at me. I know I'm, t- I'm telling you, you, you complain the whole time. I don't, listen, you may be in a less than ideal situation. Joseph was in a less than ideal situation. The dude was in slavery. Woman lied on him, put him in prison. But nowhere in there do I see where he was complaining. The Bible just says the Lord was with him. So how are you working? What's your attitude when you work and serve at church? Are you complaining and running all the other volunteer service off because your attitude is a little nasty? <laughs> Let me say this. If you're going to serve here in the church and you got the wrong attitude, I would rather you sit down until you can get this part right. Because you're going to run people away because your attitude is not right. Fair enough? And, and once, once you work that little stuff out of it, once you go back and study work and, and work harder than the Lord and have the right attitude, 
then you then you plug in. But if you're gonna be if you're gonna do it complaining the whole way, I just rather you to kind of just sit sit, sit down because you're gonna mess somebody else up. We're out there serving, you complain, oh, it's hot. I, we know it was hot before we came. <laughs> right? I thank God for yesterday. It felt a little cooler today. 91 felt cool compared to 101. Can I get one witness up in the air? I'm at the gas pump yesterday. yesterday I'm like, man, it feels a little cool. It's 91 degrees, but it felt cool because I was used to 100. We knew it was going to be hot, so why complain? Too much complaining, that song says, and not enough of, I thank you, Lord. How are you working? Get the skill set and information you need to excel in the workplace. If you need additional training, if you got to go back to school at night to get a skill set that pays a high pay, go and do that. God will honor that. But, but if, if you agree to work for that amount, don't say, I'm going to say, don't say silly stuff like, well, you know, they ain't paying me enough to do this. That's your job the scripture. They're not paying enough. You, who took the job? You did. I'm talking to believers now. You took the job. Nobody put a gun in your head and said, oh, you're going to go work for that $15 an hour. You think you should have 25, but you chose the 15. So while you are making 15, stop complaining. If you want to get to 25, do what is necessary, develop a skill set, training or whatever, or find another place that pays more. If, you, if you're good at what you, I'm telling you what I'm talking, I know what I'm talking about. If you're good at what you do, amen, raises will find you. If you have a skill set that's valuable, people are willing to pay for that. But you can't sit there and complain and expect to be a person who's actually advancing kingdom agenda and people will listen to you. Okay? So pursue a job that, can, that you can enjoy or good at and that will adequately provide for you and your family. It takes courage to pursue change and transition because we're used to what we're used to. But if God is going to do what he wants to do in your life and in my life, we got to get accustomed to transition and change. Because he's always trying to change us to make us better than what we are. And we can't get better doing the same thing the same way. Lastly, number 10, learn how to rest and celebrate. Learn how to take a vacation. I had to learn this, y'all. I had to learn that that's not not nobility and working all the time and no vacation, no play. Rest and celebrate. When it's time to take a vacation, take it. Hello? It's good. You, you'll help those around you, too. Because when you, you, when, you, when you detach for a little bit, you begin to appreciate, hey, listen, it ain't as bad as I thought it was. But you, you, need, to t- you need to take that time away. Uh, uh, because God, God, <laughs> God told us to, to, to take that Sabbath rest uh, as, a, as an example of how we, as, as, as followers of him and we as people of God, should know that, that we need that Jesus needed rest, so we do too, okay? So guys, listen to me. The question on the table is, how are you working? How are you working? What's your mindset? What's your approach to the work environment? And again, Joseph is our example. Even though you may be in a place 
that's less than ideal, God still is checking your attitude in that place that's less than ideal. Joseph was in a couple of places there where he, he was not treated fairly, but he worked as unto the Lord, and it was noticed by the non-believers. Amen? So let's move forward. God is using our work. And go back to Ephesians 6 as we close. Watch this. And we, 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 I'm, I promise you I am finished. Ephesians 6. Y'all laughing, but I am finished. <laughs> we got Ephesians 6. Watch this. I, just, I want us to know that God is waiting on us to move and to do things his way. Look, at, look, look with me again at this uh, verse number five. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. We already talked about that, what that means. Employee, employee. Your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. So when I'm working, I should be working like, like I'm serving Christ. Right? Look at the next verse. Watch. Try to please them all the time. Not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. Everybody say, all your heart. All All right. Next verse. Work with them. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I need y'all to write that scripture down, mark it in your Bible. Work with enthusiasm. Mark it, highlight it. On tomorrow, how many of y'all have to go to into the office tomorrow? Let me see your hands. All right, or to, out to the field, whatever it is, the field, the office, you got to go, go to work tomorrow. Let me see your hands. Everybody got to go to work. I want you to m- take this verse and memorize it. It says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Oh, Pastor, we got to pour that concrete tomorrow. I, you know, uh, oh, Pastor, we got to cut that field. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't matter. Work with enthusiasm. Oh, Pastor, we got to get up early to, to go. No, don't complain. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Y'all with me? Watch the next verse says what? Remember that the Lord will reward each of us, each one of us, for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free, whether we're an, whether we're an employer or the employee. Y'all with me? So work with enthusiasm tomorrow, okay? Everybody say enthusiasm. I'm tired, Pastor. Take a vacation. But while you're there, do it how? With enthusiasm. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.